Hey yo, this is Big Daddy Kane, and you're listening to another hot interview on the library with Tim Einenkel on rapstation.com. Images of fake facades Holograms appear like a desert mirage Who's really in charge when a director screams cut And throws his hands up The rose is over He spent the past decade and a half perfecting his craft As a DJ slash turntablist He's a graffiti artist He's a member of the world famous Rocksteady crew And he's the DJ for Rozelle He's toured the planet doing over 1,200 shows In more than 50 countries and hundreds of cities His new album is called It Is What It Isn't It's Ground Original 4 He's the one and only DJ JS1, and I want to welcome to the library with Tim Einenkel on rapstation.com. What's up? Uh, yeah, this is DJ JS1 and a world famous Rocksteady crew. And uh, yes, I've uh, been able, I've uh, been blessed to put out several different albums over the years. The new album is It Is What It Isn't, because it definitely is what it's not. <laughs> And uh, yeah, just uh, happy to be here, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk some hip hop and some graph. Uh, as you said, the title of the album "It Is What It Isn't" comes from the lack of credibility as many artists falsely portray themselves today, especially using social media. Uh, the culture kind of they pretend to they pretend to be what they're not, yeah. right? Um, why create this album now, and then also? How are you seeing people falsely betraying themselves, and how does that hurt the culture and the art form? Well, um, you know, for, for as far as just making the album, um, you know, I've, I've just been putting out albums, uh, maybe one every two years or so for the past uh, 13, 14 years. And uh, this one, as I, as I make my music, I mean, it's all kind of uh, the same style. It's my boom bap, I guess, underground, 90s, all this, whatever you want to call it. So I was uh, going to put out an album regardless. And um, recently, you know, over the past few years, uh, everything is really kind of based off of uh, likes and views and followers now. Everything is, is pretty much, that's what people look to to see, like, who's popular and how, that's how they judge it. And with, the, uh, with, with technology, you know, it's not like back in the day where you had to go in a studio, pay for the studio, and actually press vinyl so now everybody can kind of make a song and just throw it out there to the world so when it's based off of likes and views and followers and everyone has the ability to join the race and put songs out there it's like okay so now we're at the point where it's like what do you do to get the likes and the views so artists are now looking at at themselves like where their managers and the PR people telling them like you need a viral video you know so I look at artists now It's like everybody wants to be the cat That fell off the couch That's kind of how I look at it and, and, and in order to be the cat That fell off the couch And get this viral video You know You almost have to do something stupid You know The, 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 the world doesn't want to You know you don't, get, you don't get the views and likes By like Wow this guy's really talented You know It's, it's usually not the case So What I see is it's, it's a lot of like You know People posting stuff It's like Hey did you see this guy Like He's got a crazy haircut, you know? Hey, do you heard about this rapper? He sounds like this rapper. And it's like, well, that's not good. That's not a good thing. But it's getting the views. Well, like, this guy's got, you know, like, weird facial hair, and he wears crazy, he wears pajamas. 
you know, and you're like, well, okay, but what does that have to do with anything? Or like, I was at a show and this guy was, you know, throwing roast beef off the stage at people, you know, like, and it's like, okay, but what is the the, the song? It's you know, it's every, it's like TMZ based, you know. So so right away, you know, you're looking at. It's not about the skill. It's not about the integrity, the originality of where they came from. Like, did they pay their dues? How did they get there? How's the live performance? It's all about, like, he sounds like this guy, or he looks crazy, or he did something stupid. And it's just, it is what it isn't. It's not, you know, we, we, we were doing music all the way up. It was always about those other things. And, and people would shun and mock that stuff. There was a guy, Gorilla Black. He sounded like Biggie. They shunned him immediately. Like, this guy, right, your career's over. Not, he didn't get a lot of views. I mean, it wasn't internet based back then, but it's not like everybody was like, I got to hear it. He sounds just like Biggie. And it's like, well, that's bad, you know, and, and everything is just totally different now. So it's really like, it is what it isn't, you know, like, um, you know, I feel like for, for me, that's why I didn't even do a video for this. Cause I'm like, nobody wants to see a video with quality, good stuff in it. Or like, I have to just do something idiotic. And I, I just, I'm like, I'll let you just, I'll just put the music out. If you like the music, you get the music, you know, um, I don't want to have to like throw myself down a flight of stairs in order to get views, which is which is almost what it's come to. It's like, did you see JS One? Like, yeah, he stripped naked and threw himself down a flight of stairs. Like, I gotta get this guy's record. So that that's really what it is. What it is, it means it's just it's it's everything that it's not, which is you know skills and originality, integrity, and that type of stuff. Um, it is what it is, and it's the fourth installment of Ground Original. Um, just quickly, how does it fit with the concept of the previous three installments? Okay, well, when I uh, when I first set out to make my albums, um, I was just really trying to get the MCs that I love and respect and like on my albums, and to um, especially a lot of the MCs that I know. I happen to know a lot of these guys from over the years of just being at different events or doing shows with people, and then also pairing up some of the uh, older legendary MCs with some of the newer MCs that I like trying to get some of the West Coast MCs I know Midwest MCs female MCs and really give a good mix and um, that's pretty much what I've done you know on, on most of the albums like getting uh, on the No Sellout album I got uh, Cool Keith and Seji I got an ultra magnetic feature which not an easy thing to pull off and uh, like this one I have um Brother J and Professor X, rest in peace, Professor X. But it's it's uh, putting a new X Clan song together, which you know it's that's obviously not going to happen. Yeah. And uh, you know, get, getting the artifacts together on a song and just trying to pair up pair up stuff that I I would want to hear again or or that I always liked, and I don't see maybe other people doing it as much. So it's it's just trying to get a. a a good mix of quality MCs. Also bringing in, you know, a lot of people throw the word underground around loosely. And, you know, for us, when the indie movement was starting in, in New York City and it was uh, 88 Hip Hop and the Cyphers in Washington Square Park and the original Fat Beat Store and the Rocksteady Anniversaries and all this stuff, there was there was a, uh, a group of MCs like Breeze Bruin and the Juggernauts and these kind of guys and the Pack FMs and the Wordsworths and Punching Words. Th- those kind of guys that people sometimes forget the c Rays Walls's, a lot of the other guys that do producer albums they want to get the bigger names and some of the newer kids and that's my roots so i never really forget those guys so i always try to include them on the album and then people that that want to be themselves like a homeboy sandman i love him just because he's himself you know and he has his own thing going on and i appreciate that because that's 
the underground stuff to me that's what what it was all about it was it was not trying to sell a lot of records it was just doing how whatever you felt and throwing it out there and if people like it they like it and that's so I'd get somebody like a homeboy Sandman or Rashid Chappelle who's new now and and uh, you know that's pretty much how it follows the format of the other ones just mixing and matching and getting the people that, that I love and respect I want to get into the album in a moment but I'm always wondering um, obviously MCs because they use words obviously it makes it easier for the listener to know um, makes sense of their content so we know when a lyricist is calling out another lyricist um, obviously you, this happens in the, throughout this album especially it's highlighted in the record Show Shocking featuring Elder Sensei Tame One and Reef the Lost Cause but as a producer slash DJ turntablist how do you make sure that what you want in the track is being out there like I mean is it something like Sample Abuser where you still have lyricists as well or are you just is there something else that you're doing that we're not hearing that's interesting that you say that <laughs> that's that was one of the things that I always um, uh, something was always on my mind you know since I'm not rhyming on a song it's like how do I get my point across and, and my feelings or what I want said and there's there's different ways you know when I've uh the first song that I that I, my first thing I ever put out with KRS One uh, Essentials, we actually sat and had a two and a half three hour discussion, and he specifically put stuff in the song that we talked about, and he kind of was almost being my voice. And and what I learned from with him is that he asked me, he was asking me about you know how what I wanted the vibe of the song to be like, like. Um, and I had I had told him a song of his that I really like called Feel the Vibe, Feel the Beat. And I was like, whatever mode you were in when you did that song, I want you in that mode in the studio today. And I ended up using that as kind of a format with a lot of guys. I would, I would uh, reference a song that maybe they did and not tell them, like, we're not trying to copy that. But the feeling and the mood that you were in that day, if there was, if it's an angry, aggressive song, like let's go, we're gonna go this angle, and then uh, you know, I have conversations with a lot of these guys, and they know me. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. These guys kind of know me pretty well, most of them, and they know where I'm coming from. They know what I want, you know, set on a song for the most part. Um, I do tell them here's the concept of the song. I'm trying to go this route. We're trying to speak about this type of stuff. Sometimes I do give them. I'll write out references. Like, it would be great if you could speak about this, this, and this. Sometimes they listen. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they, they kind of do it in a roundabout way. But it's it, there is definitely a, a process and planning that, that I, I do try to push my will onto these guys. Like, look, it's my album. And I, I always bring that up. Like, I, I pick all the beats. I don't really let them dictate the, which beat we're going to use. A lot of guys, they'll do, like, the BTD and be like, pick the which one you like. But I'm like, I, I'm usually like, no, 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 no. This is the one I want you on. Even when they just, they don't agree sometimes, like, oh, but I would like this one. I'm like, yeah, but it's my album, and I want to hear you on this. And that also helps push them towards the mood and the vibe of the song. And uh, if for the most part, most guys do, like I said, they know me pretty well. And, you know, we have private discussions and jokes and stuff back and forth so they know where I'm coming from and they know what I like and what I don't like who I like and who I don't like so they do kind of you know like the sample abuser song I mean we've definitely you know uh, sitting with AG or Sadat or Neek like they know exactly 
you know, what producers I liked and who I wanted to speak about and what kind of equipment we use and don't use. And, like, they knew right away what to speak about. Like, OC is a really great example. Every time I record with OC, you know, we, we make the whole song together. And it's a really in-depth conversation about what's going to go on. Like, he's even asking me specific lines. Like, you like this line? Do you like that line? And uh, that's why, I mean, that's why I like all the songs with OC a lot. Same thing with this one, the Turn the Table song, about the history of all the different DJs. and We were really, like, in tune and sitting in the studio making that one together. It wasn't... Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of this stuff we were, definitely. It wasn't like, uh, you know, like when... Um, when Brother Jay wrote his song, like we, we did that at Premier Studio actually, and you know we were we were sitting in the room like, you know he was like, do you like this? Do you like that? Like check this out, and uh, you know if I don't like it, I've learned to voice my opinion. At first, I was a little skeptical, but once the first song I did in KRS was telling me to criticize him, be like, do you like this? Like if you don't, and I was kind of like, uh, what do I say? It's KRS. He recorded and he was like, do you like it? I'll do it again. If you don't like it, like, tell me. Do you want me to change it? Like, do you want me to change this? And I was like, uh, uh, you're KRS. Like, I'm not going to tell you how to rhyme. But, you know, it gives me confidence to, to, to say that and speak up to these people. So, but, uh, yeah, every, every, everybody, uh, like I said, everybody knows me. So I, I guess that they, uh, they're, they're pretty much my voice. And they've, they've all done a pretty good job. I can't say that there's, and if anybody did something I didn't like, I wouldn't put it on the album. So we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about the progression of the album, but first you did mention the song Turn the, Turn the Tables yeah. featuring OC and the legendary DJ Red Alert. And it's an ode to the best hip-hop DJs and reminds us of the importance of them in the culture and to the music. Um, one, why start off the album with this record? And since there aren't many hip-hop DJs left that produce their own albums, if at all, uh, how has this aspect hurt the culture creatively and just from a cultural perspective? Oh, that's great. We might be here for three days speaking on this. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, coming from, from a DJ background and, and a DJ who, who's, uh, who's, I like to, to think that I, I do it all. Like, you know, I've done parties, done touring, do mixtapes, and uh, I like to do the turntablist stuff. I, I love scratching and been a fan of the DMC stuff and following that. Um, you know, the, the DJ is... It, it, back in the day, it was the DJ first, and the DJ brought the MC with him as, like, the sidekick. Then, of course, it changed over the years, and now it's all about the, the guy rhyming and the DJs. A lot of these guys, the newer guys, they don't even have DJs, you know, which is which is sad. So when when I put when I put this album out, you know, it's like, okay, it's we're at a point now where the hip-hop DJ is really kind of left behind. It's a lot about the electronic dance DJs. A lot of those guys aren't even really DJing. It's kind of like a light show and a guy doing exercise on stage, jumping jacks and stuff. It's really, it's really strange. <laughs> so, uh, but the video goes yeah, but the oh, the video does great. Like, did you see him? He had fluorescent glasses with lights and he was doing jumping jacks. It's, it's so crazy. It sure is what it isn't. And um, you know, so I, so I wanted to pay homage to to the guys that we grew up loving you know we go to the park jams every year where it's our chance to be around a grand was a deodore and a jazzy J and red alert and you know obviously oc knows and respects that and i i he was one guy that i could trust that would he always is my voice when we do records like he says exactly what i wanted to say on the song so that's why i definitely asked him to do this song and uh you know, we just we just felt like for the younger kids that might buy the stuff, like it's good to show them the history and speak about it and still keep it alive. Like I'm a, I'm I'm a tradition guy. I like trying to keep that vibe going. 
when I do the shows, I, I still scratch and cut it up, no matter what people say. Like, the girls don't like it. I'm like, no, they like it. They just didn't see anybody do it the right way, you know? And uh, it, it was important then to put it first, not to just hide it, like, near the, you know, the middle or the end. That's like, no, I want to highlight this. This is this is for us you know and like he says it's left up to the dj and i feel that a lot of the djs they don't really take their job serious because you you control what people hear and don't hear a lot of the time and sometimes they just go and they're just playing a playlist or they're they're being a jukebox like yes you have to cater to the crowd but when when i grew up the dj broke records you know and now it's like you're the cool dj if you just play the same records everybody else is playing and that's silly to me. It's like you want to you you the DJ should should be a voice, and and he should be a voice for the good artists that are trying to get out there. You know, you have enough with the major labels and the program directors at radio stations fighting against trying to keep everybody out. So you would think that the DJs would step in and kind of help support these artists that are out in the streets with them, because a lot of the DJs they come from the same places these artists come from. So I'm always trying to you know promote the DJing part of it and push it and. Another thing that that's really important and why I make these de- songs about DJs is that since since the DJs there's not that many hip hop DJs left or DJs that still stick to playing the stuff that that we like and appreciate a lot of it is like stripper music and it's just it's just really a lot of nonsense. What happens is that a lot of the songs that are made they're not made for DJs. See, if you listen to some records made in the 80s and 90s there was all these the reason that DJs were there was more hip hop DJs cutting up these records and, and scratching them and doing those types of sets is because the records were made for that there was like an intro with a drum roll or a hard hit or a sound or a band where you could you could scratch that part now it's like it comes in it's like some weird overproduced R&B intro some weird movie sample the guy just starts rapping right away there's, no, there's nothing for the DJ to mix in the, the guy rhymes to the end of the song or it's like some weird stuff at the end of the song. It's not it's not like, you know, when, when you would listen to these other, like, sucker MCs. DJs love cutting that up. Why? Because it comes in, boom, bap, 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 bap. So everybody would do the, the routine with the beginning of that song. But now it's hard when a song comes in and it's just some guy with, you know, singing a little bit. It's like, well, what am I going to cut up? And then the, the flow of some of the records, it's, they're not ma- made for DJs. So it's kind of also trying to show the influence of, like, look, these guys... We're cutting up these records because they were made for DJs. That's another reason that newer hip-hop vinyl doesn't sell as much as old-school hip-hop vinyl and breaks still because DJs have more fun spinning that stuff. The newer stuff, it's harder to spin because it's, it's not really geared for a DJ. It's meant for an iPod listen or it's meant for a Pandora listen. It's, it's, it's meant to just... You know, you click on your laptop and you listen to it, but it's not really meant for uh, to be put in a mix, and that's that's kind of really hurting the the, the hip hop DJ as well. So I'm always going to keep you know paying homage to the DJs and trying to push that on people and keep that going. So that's why that song is on there. I kept it to a, under a three day minimum. Um, I was curious about, like I said, the progression of the album, uh, with the exception of OC and Razkaz. Uh, you seem to start the album with quote unquote newer artists and then by track 10 we started to hear from the quote-unquote older artists right we had a buckshot Razelle, krs greg g smooth b and much more um how did you decide the order of the tracks and and and, and also how did you decide when each artist would appear and when they would be together on each track 
Well, first, um, I mean, in the process, I mean, just putting the songs together uh, as far as where, which artist goes with which artists, that, that really comes from, like, just... Uh, it's like a vibe kind of thing of, of how I who I feel would sound right on the song or sometimes who I trust to get on the song. Like, I like Torre a lot. And, I, and um, I like his voice. I like the way he rhymes. I like what he says. And... I, and I believe Torrey hasn't recorded a song with KRS, so it was nice to pair, you know, somebody older that I like with someone newer that I like that I trust to get on the track with KRS. You know, I knew that he would do it justice and that he would fit the concept because there's a very specific concept with that song and the, the wordplay. So it, it works out, you know, it's just it's kind of a vibe, just how I feel who would fit on certain songs. And then once, once the songs are recorded, as far as the, the actual way it's put on the album... Um, it's it's really a feeling thing. Like I'll take all the songs and I'll 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 put them in. Uh, I'll either put them in my Serato or just put, load them up in iTunes, and I just kind of play around with the orders to see like the flow. Like when I'm, I knew I wanted to put the OC song first. You know, that was the O to the DJs. I wanted to come in with that, and then from there it was it wasn't really so much of like who was on the song specifically, more so of of sometimes tempo. You know, I don't want to come in with a song that's slow and then go right to one that's super fast and then back to a slow one. And super. So I, I kind of like to build up a little bit. But it's it's mainly just uh, tempo and then just the vibe. You know, if, if maybe uh, one song is a little bit more mellow or jazzier, I'll try to maybe put two or three of those together somewhere in the middle of the album and like to switch the mood up and then go back to another, you know, to switch the vibes up as you go. There's not really a, a total dead set format. I just kind of feel my way through it, and I play around with the lineups. You know, I, I'll, I'll be like, oh, let me try this in track two and see how it feels, and, and I build it that way. And then sometimes I, I will say, like, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to end this, the album with this. Or, but like, there's a song with, with a bunch of my friends from the neighborhood on it, and it's, uh, it's the facts are backwards. Right, so it looks like S T K F on the, you know, but it, but 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 it's it's facts it's it's facts backwards. So I use the Nas the the Nas cut. Your facts are backwards, and um, I did want to put that last. Just you know, it's it's my friends to close out with my with my friends on it, and also that was like the the end statement. It's like I open up with the DJ song, but it's like it is what it isn't. So I wanted to close with the, your facts are backwards. Like it is what it isn't. So like little little things like that do have uh, you know I wanted to kind of take the the beatbox track with a uh, Eclipse from France and put that somewhere in the middle of the album you know I didn't want to like put that at the very beginning or the very end because there's only one beatbox thing on the album so I kind of like putting that near the middle so little little things like that but it's it's basically just on the vibe and the flow you know how it how it flows through I'm big on that because from mix that comes from mixtapes. You know, I made a lot of mixtapes, and it's it, it's it's a flow of when you the way you know when you listen to something. Sometimes, or even DJing a radio show, sometimes I'll start off with the slower songs and build my way up to the up tempo ones, or start out up tempo and wind it down as it gets on. So I try to do that with the album as well. It's interesting you talk about it's like an instinct because I mean it seems that all the I think all the great DJ turntables have that. They, you ask them like, what's the secret to making this beat, and they're like, oh, it's just an instinct. It's something that came up. Yes. I got. Newmark and I were DJ Newmark and I were talking about him and some kid Trey's album and I was like well how did it work like how'd you make that beat and he's like I can't explain it it just something happened where I'm listening to the beat I'm like you know that'd be hot right you know like that would be hot that'd be hot so it's just like so when does that come like when does that I don't know like kind of like that you know that 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 sixth sense kind of thing like when does that come for you 
first you mentioned Newmark and just he's a friend and I love I love Newmark. That guy's super talented at everything he does. So just wanted to say that I love that guy. Um, well, you know I guess uh, I guess you kind of you kind of always have this this instinct. Um, you know, as far as as far back as I can remember, when I first got my first cheap samplers, or was even just trying to start out DJing, you just, you know, you could. Some people just have a knack for like these two records mixed together well, or like this. You just hear you're going through stuff, and you just there's just something that you it goes off in you, and it's like, oh, that's the part that I'm going to sample, and I know that's going to fit. And then you're like, oh, these those drums are going to fit with it. It just kind of just kind of comes, and then you, when you're making stuff. There's that moment when you know, like, this is it, or like, ah, this isn't that great. You know, it's 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 almost just like that feeling when you you know you hear a certain song and the hair stands up on your arms. It's like you don't know why it's doing that, but it just struck something and you feel it. So it's it's really it is really difficult to explain. But I could say that something that helped me out personally was the validation of when you do do stuff. And then you see other people like it or agree with you. You know, I remember uh, when I did the first song with OC, I remember Farrell Monch seeing me at SOBs. And he came over to me and he was like, that song you did with Omar, like, that's like, oh, man, like, I like that. Like, you guys need to do some more stuff like that. And then when you hear that, you're like, all right, I'm on to something. Like, it's, I'm not crazy. Like, those little instincts that were going off when I was putting this together, like, I'm, I'm right. You know, when... when KRS came to me and was like, yeah, like, people were telling him, like, they liked the stuff that he did with me. And then he came and we recorded a bunch of stuff together. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm on to something. People are understanding what I'm doing and they're agreeing with me. I'm not crazy. Because, you know, sometimes you, 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 you don't know. You, you, you think it's good. You feel it's good. But until you actually get the people, and especially the people that you love and respect and you value their opinions... You know, because there's a lot of kids that are like, I love your stuff. You know, you're a great DJ. And I'm like, well, what, why? What makes me great? And they're like, yo, you're you're almost as good as, like, you know, DJ Clue. And I'm like, wow, okay, this guy just doesn't get it. You know, like, yeah, yeah, no. all right, so it's like that compliment, it's cool, but it just, it has no value to it because they really don't even understand. So when people that, that know and you respect them and they're, they're validating what you're doing and telling you you're doing the right thing, then the next couple of times when that instinct kicks in, you're like even more confident about it, you know. And it's, so you're like, I get even more excited now when I when I when something goes off in my mind when I hear a sample. I'm working on something. Now I'm like really excited because I know that I'm doing the right thing and that I can't wait to see who else is going to appreciate it. As opposed to when I first started and I was more of like, I hope these people like this. Like I feel like I'm doing the right thing. It's it feels good to me, but I hope they like it. So that was a big that's that's a big thing to me. The validation point. I imagine it's also like you're getting co-signed by people that actually have their credibility is at stake, right? So if they're saying, you know, JS1 is is doing doing this thing, and then people are like, wait, what are they, what is, what is going? Yeah, what are you talking about? Then they would kind of be like, <laughs> um, I'm talking about the track uh, "Give a Damn" featuring um, Dynasty, who I like a lot, um, Eternia, and uh, Sarah Kana, uh, three powerful female MCs. Um, First, why an all-female record? What stood out about each of these artists that made you want to put them three together? And then it seems like it's the only record featuring an all-female cast. Um, why do? Why? Why is that the case? 
Well, um, first, uh, you know, there's there's multiple male MCs everywhere. You know, there's a lot of female MCs, and it seems that you know the having these discussions with with my male friends all the time about MCs. You know, it, it's it's hard to get a lot of the times to get them to to bring up the females. You know, it's always male based. It's like I love this dude, this guy, that one, this MC, and it's they don't always bring up the females. And times that they do bring up females or or the females that are popular, you know, you you see what a lot of it is. It's they're selling sex, you know, it's the booty this, booty that, I'm half naked, that kind of stuff. And you know, which is nice. I don't mind looking at it, it's cool, but as far as the skill the skill part of it, there is a lot of really, really good female MCs. And since my albums are I, I kinda put together what I like and talent I figured that, you know, at this time I want to get... I had a tournier on, on, on the last project with Howard Razkas. But I was like, you know what? Like, I want to, like, really make noise with it. And I think I think I'll get the point across even more how much I appreciate the female MCs if I put just only female MCs on a song. And then I also realized that the female MCs, they don't always, like, pair up and do songs together. It almost seems like... Like, not that they're competing with each other, but I guess since there's not that many of them... They're all trying to fight to be the like the female MC, I guess. You know, not that they have not that they have problems with each other, but you know, it's it's. So I don't, I don't always see the females getting together and, and making multiple songs with just females on it. So I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna put these females together, and I went and got the ones that I happen to really like. I mean, there's there's others. Um, my verse from Rocksteady Coo, she's she's really dope. But the the three that that I got together for this album um, started with Dynasty. I, I love how Dynasty sounds on a, on a record, you know. She's really talented. She's not trying to do nonsense. And I respect her as an MC. She's uh, she's down in Florida, but she's originally from Queens. So that had a little special thing for me, you know, being from Queens. And, uh, you know, when I reached out to her, she was she was with doing the song. I was very happy. She set it off. Um, I had Attorney on the last album, and I love what she does. So I went back to Attorney to get her on this. And um, the the reason I really respect Eternia is because uh, one time I was doing DJing at the Brooklyn Hip Hop Fest uh, after party, and there was a whole bunch of male MCs getting on, and they were doing like a freestyle kind of session. I was playing beats, and everybody was getting on, and I seen her on the side of the stage, and I didn't know who she was at first, and she was saying she wanted to get on the mic, so I was like, all right, you know, let's see what this girl's about. So when she got on the mic, I can't lie, I tried to I tried to throw her off. So I had a really easy beat on for everybody, all the guys that were freestyling. So when she got on, I switched it up and started cutting up like really up-tempo break beats. Figuring like, all right, let's see. If you're going to come on and run, I'm like, all right, let's see. And she, and she was killing it. Like she she turned into Big Daddy Kane on the mic and was just ripping it. And I was really, really impressed. And then after that, I was like, okay, look, like we got to stay in touch. If I do anything, I got to get you on something. So this time around, I called her. I called her back. And Sarah Connor, Sarah is somebody that I had met through um, Tila Rock's brother in the Bronx, like 1991, I think I know her since. She's been rhyming forever. She does the battle the, the battle rap circuits, and uh, she's just really talented. And I like her because she's raw. Like, she's, like, real street, and she doesn't bite her tongue for no one. I love the stuff she says. And we just, we've been friends for a long time. She was in my house freestyling and rhyming. We've done a few shows, and I just never got to get her on a record. So I was like, this is the time. I need to bring Sarah in to close this one out. 
and I'm, I'm very happy with it. Uh, it was cool to also use a female MC MC light for the scratch on the scratch hook. So there's so there's also it's all female, and uh, and I guess the side joke is that uh, hopefully they don't hear this and sue me. But the the little uh, the I don't give a damn. I don't. That's actually Jodeci. So that's for the ladies too. Uh, we've got a little Jodeci in there for the ladies. And uh, yeah, it's. it's I, I hope to see you know more people reach out to to these MCs and get them on their albums. It's just because uh, you know it's male based kind of thing. Like the females are killing it. Like they're they're excellent. Those those specific MCs right there. Those three girls are just as good as most of the male MCs that I know on stage and and with writing songs. So I, I, I'm just trying to you know promote that and and get that out there. So. When you told each of them. Who would they be on the song? Did, would they, they take to it right away, or did they? Were they any hesitancy on each of them, or were they the type of MCs that are up to anything, over to anything? Well, to tell you the truth, um, no, I don't, no, I don't. None of them had a, have a problem with anyone. Um, but I could say this in general with all my songs is that since people are uh, accustomed to seeing me do songs with a lot of different legendary people, I'd say that not them specifically, but I think everyone. Every time I ask them to get on a song. Are, are hoping that like it's gonna be KRS or like is G-Rap gonna be on this one you know I mean they didn't say that to me I have had other people like come up to me and be like hey listen yeah, I'd love to do a song on your album like you think we could do one with M.O.P. and Coogee Rap you know and it's like uh no I got you know like when people found out I was doing a bunch of stuff with KRS like everybody was like yo is like you got any room on any of those KRS songs and I'm like uh, don't worry I, I got it worked out already but uh, no they, they, they were they were definitely happy to get on the song with each other and uh, and it worked out great I want to talk about another record, uh, Die Hard, featuring Eric Sherman, Rozelle, and Buckshot. Um, one, how did this record come to, together? What's, what were the recording sessions like? Also, as mentioned, you DJ, your DJ for um, Rozelle. When working with Rozelle, the human beatbox, right? I mean, that's what we know him for. Um, how do you prepare in terms of producing that? Like, how do you do? You, do you discuss like what sound effects he'll do? Is he the type of MC that would just like hear a beat and then go, you know, go from there? And then you have to kind of adjust accordingly. I mean, how does it work? How does everything work? Okay, well, for for this song specifically, uh, you know, obviously a huge EPMD fan and uh, love Eric Sermon for not only his rhymes but his production too. He's definitely uh, one of my favorites. So it was a goal to try to get Eric Sermon on. I didn't really know Eric Sermon. I knew PMD. But uh, I got a chance to, to meet up with him and talk to him. And what was it was excellent because uh, he kind of dug what I was what I was doing. I told him, you know, about the other albums and who I had on it. And he was he was down with recording. I told him, you know, like the beat's going to be, you know, something similar to like what you guys would have rhymed on back in the day. It's not, you know, it's not, not trying to make a new sounding record. It's something that's, you know, sounds EPMD-ish to me. And uh, he was totally with it. He, you know, he understands. I'm trying to make the hardcore hip hop, and uh, he did his verse, no problem. It was exactly what I wanted. Then, then at that point, I didn't know who I was going to get on the song yet. And he, I always, you know, of course, I always get Rozelle on my projects, but I usually get Rozelle beatboxing. And this time around, you know, he, he's uh, he's he's also super talented MC. And not everybody's, you know, always aware of, like, you know, what he can do on the mic. And, and they expect him to beatbox every time. So this time I was like, Ra, like, you're going to do a verse on this one. And then I told him I got room on the Eric Sermon song. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely, you know, it's Eric Sermon. Of course, I, I'd love to get on that. So I got Rozelle. And then I was like, oh, I need somebody else who's going to fit this. 
I was like, okay, I didn't record with Buckshot. Let me get Buckshot. He'll sound perfect on this with these guys. And I let Buckshot know. So him and Rozelle actually recorded. It was either the same day or within within a day from each other. And so that's why they mentioned each other, you know, because they, they already had knew that they were going to be on it and who was going to be on Eric Sermon was like, was on it first. So he didn't know that the other guys, so he didn't mention them. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's, it's also once again, just trying to see who fits the vibe of like that style of beat and that error of stuff. And, you know, they both nailed it. And I was happy to get Rozell to, to rhyme on this one, not just, you know, just, just beatboxing. Of course, you know, I'm, been with him for so long and working with him is it's interesting because as far as rhyming you know i don't really get into i just let him do what he does he writes his rhymes and rhymes and as far as the beatbox stuff in the studio it's cool because i can kind of throw stuff out there and he can just kind of do anything so it's 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 awesome you know he could be in the vocal booth and just doing something and you'd be like yeah maybe throw like a you know like some kind of like humming like a like harmonizing thing and it just comes out like he's just yeah it's 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 like it's like if I could talk to my NPC you know and just be like yeah just make a baseline you know and he just it's it's really awesome and uh, being around Rozelle you know it's really what's really cool is all the van rides and all the sound checks where he does stuff that he just doesn't normally do in public and it's just it's just incredible to be able to just to see the stuff. That, that he could really do it's just it's awesome because there's a lot of stuff that he works on and tests out that he just doesn't do in the shows and you know for whatever reason I guess he's just saving stuff or he's just you know whatever it just that's that's his thing and I got to see all of this stuff and it's just it was like when we were touring with Supernatural and we'd just be hanging in the hotel and he just decides to freestyle for like two and a half hours straight and you just I'm just sitting there just soaking it all up yeah yeah we just yeah we just yeah we're just hanging in the room you know and he just just you know whatever something's on tv and he just started rhyming and you know it's like wow or sound checks with those guys where i'm like why am i not videotaping the sound checks like just doing full routines in the sound check and you're never going to see it again because they just made it up and it's like ah i got to see it but oh man like people need to see this so that's that's what's really really cool about being around those guys uh you know rozel is just a very rare talent you know there's there's a lot of people that beatbox that are great, but his background, where he comes from, and what he knows, like his hip hop knowledge, and that that low end that he gets in his beatbox, that a lot a lot of the guys, it's very high pitched stuff. Like he's his low end and them hard drums that he does, it's just it's just a very very rare thing. I'm I'm just blessed to be around it, and I soak up every second of it. And I do have a lot of good video footage that people would kill to see. <laughs> Yeah, my introduction, I, what I, how I introduce people to Rozelle is the, uh, my wife who loves this one particular thing is the, if your mother only knew, yeah, and I was like, I was like, no, no, it, it, he's doing everything. Yeah, he's like, like oh, he, no, he's, doing he's doing it. And then, and then of course with uh, Supernet, the way I introduce them is the, his uh, freestyle wordplay on uh, Swain Tech when he does uh, H2O, and then he goes H2O, Aquatic with the Flow, and then he goes that, and I'm like, no, no, he's doing that too. <laughs> um, I want to continue on with... Um, it is what it isn't. Uh, we're speaking to DJ JS1, uh, new album. It is what it isn't. Um, Love me not features uh, Curious Craig G and Smooth B. It talks about a uh, hip hop as a kind of on again, off again relationship. Um, so for you, what keeps you pursuing this relationship with hip hop culture? And do you think there will be a time where you won't be frustrated 
in this relationship or is this kind of just what it is is this like are we always in people who love hip hop are they always going to have this on again off again relationship my relationship with hip hop I'm like a battered husband <laughs> oh boy uh, well it is it is uh, uh, well first uh, let me get, let's talk about the song you know as, as far as the song I'm definitely uh, you know obviously a big fan of those guys Craig G's been on um, I think if not all my albums almost all my albums and uh, we're just good friends too like Craig is great he's a guy like well you know we'll go catch a Met game together like he's you know yeah Craig's just uh, uh, Craig's great so um and putting this song together, you know, those, those guys, I just felt like their, their voices and wherever they're from, they would fit together nice on a song. And if I'm going to talk to people about, the, you know, the love-hate relationship with music and hip-hop, those guys have been through it, so they, they understand. I didn't want to get the newer guys because a lot of those guys are still excited and happy and think they're going to be Jay-Z. So, <laughs> right, right. I'm like, I don't want to ruin your life yet. Like, I'll let you figure it out on your own. So, uh, <laughs> so just you know, speaking to those guys, they they were down with the idea, and you know, obviously, since you know, back in the day when Common did, I used to love her, and using the the, the you know, hip hop is the woman. So just kind of playing off of that, and uh, you know, they, I kind of let them kind of go on their own with it. I didn't really tell them like you have to say this or you have to say that. It's just kind of how you know how they how they what their take would be, and you know, it is a love hate relationship, just in general, because you you. You know, first of all, I mean, everybody got into this because they love it. And when you get into it, you, you just, you, it's pure. You just love it because you love the beats, you love the lyrics, you love the culture, you're happy to be around it, you want to write the best verse, practice your scratches, and be as good as this guy, and find the best sample. And then you realize, like, once you have that stuff, you're like, okay, well, now I want to get it out to the world. And the minute that you do that, there's a business involved. And that's when the first bit of letdowns and frustration comes into play. Because then you start realizing, like, yeah, these stores won't carry it. Or this person won't press it up. Or this label doesn't like you. And those guys, I mean, they've dealt with real record labels. You know, I've been independent my whole life. So I never had to like, get signed to a record label and they shelf me or just never send me the check. So that's, you know, like, like, like Craig says, which is one of my favorite lines on the album. He says it is what it isn't, like a royalty check from Prism, which, which is just brilliant. I mean, that's really great. And, uh, you know, like, I never had to deal with that part of it. So, uh, for me, I had a de- decent business experience just because I actually got the checks from Fat Beats, which is nice, and I control my own destiny with my records. But the part that you start to dislike is where you realize it's about promotion and it's a name game. And, like, now where we're at, you know, with the views and likes, like I was saying earlier, it's like, you know, they want me to be the cat that fell off the couch, not just a talented DJ. I got to do something silly. And it's the same thing with a lot of these guys. It was, you know, you have a great album, but it's how much, and even if it's on a major record label, but if there's no huge promotion budget, nobody knows about it. And then you start to get frustrated when you just see other guys, you know, becoming huge and it's... And they're promoting selling drugs and negative stuff. And these guys aren't negative. You know, their, their music was, was positive. A lot of the guys on my album, it's not really negative music. And it just seems that the negative stuff is always what does well. So you start to get frustrated at that. Then you start to see the show aspect of it. And you're like, well, I'm going to do shows. And then you go to a booking agent. And the booking agent says, hey, listen, if you get a lot of shows, come back to me and I'll book you for shows. And you're like, wait. It, you're the booking agent right, Like right. you're supposed to Get me shows And that's what They all say 
go get some shows and then we'll book you for shows. And you're like, okay, I hate this. And then you start to get very frustrated. And for myself, it is definitely a, a, a weird thing because my success comes from my negativity. You know, I, I try to explain this to people all the time. You know, there's the yin and the yang. Everybody's a yang. I enjoy being a yang. I like that. It's cool. There's, the world's a big place. Everybody can't be the let's all get along and love this and I'm just going to do this. I like coming in and being cynical and being a little negative and a little sarcastic. And I'm the underdog guy. I like the Mets. I'm not a, I'm not a Yankee fan. Got it. Oh, yeah, I'm a Yankee fan, but you're, no, you're I understand. Yeah. Oh no, no. Right now, I'm happy with that. But we'll we'll see. There'll be a way that they mess it up, you know. <laughs> and I know that already. But and I'll enjoy it, <laughs> you know. And that, this is just the way it works. I'm a Knicks fan. Like I know. I've I've lived 40 years, just never seen a title. They won it the year before I was born. Like it's just it's just not you know. And they're gonna win the year after I die. I I got it. You know. It's just this is how it works. So I I enjoy that. That's if you look at my albums, you know, it's no sellout, and it's me posing as a homeless. person person with a, with a pizza box that says no sellout on it the next one is no one cares and it's me laying dead on the cover you know the new one is it is what it isn't so i i enjoy coming from that angle and there's people that that get that there's there's people that are on my side and they they look to my stuff for that so yeah it's like i do hate a lot of the stuff that goes on but i love I love hip-hop in its purest form. Like, that's what I love. I mean, hip-hop is pure. There's there's nothing wrong with hip-hop. And good hip-hop exists. Like, there's great B-boys and B-girls. The Rocksteady stuff is great. Rozelle beatboxes all over the world, and people love it. I can scratch records. People love it. DJ Scratch is still DJing. Jazzy Jeff still does what he does. Mixmaster Mike. q still cutting it up. You know, it's it, there's still really good stuff. It's just that... You know, the stuff that's popular is is nonsense. So we always fight against it. You know, I'll still be here fighting that battle as long as I live. And I, I enjoy that, although it's frustrating. So it's it's weird. It's That's kind of what keeps me going. You know, it's it's like if you win, it must be boring. Like for a guy like Jay-Z, it's hard. I can't imagine how he would just sit in the studio and really have a great vibe to make an album. Because a lot of the great music and hip-hop, it came from struggle. You know, it, it, it came from, you know, when these people were in the Bronx and they didn't have nothing. And that's part of where it came from. You were excited to go to the park jam in the park. That's your, your, your release. And the MCs are just having fun with it. And, and you're, you're coming from a place of struggle. So when you're on top of the world, it's like, well, what do you really rhyme about? Everything's great. And then when you, if you do rhyme about your lifestyle, like, who wants to hear that? That you got a Bentley and your bank account has four million zeros and everything. Like, who cares? Like, you know, what does that do for me? So I, I kind of like being in this position where I'm at. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, make a, I have a modest uh, living and, my, you know, my career is okay. I'm comfortable with it. I'm, I'm fine. I've achieved my goals. At the same time, you know, it would be nice to do more, but you, you still, you know, I stay in that, that, that middle ground and I fight that battle. I like saying underground. People are like, it's not, there's no such thing as underground and commercial. It's just all, and I'm like, no, no, there is a, there's a scene and a vibe. You know, we, we're not making our stuff specifically to get on the radio you know we know where we're at we like to stay below the radar that's underground stuff and we're happy and you know we mock the other stuff and that's where i'm at i'm like you know i'm that guy and i like being that guy it's cool i want to talk about the artwork in a second but i want to continue with this um you ask people about you uh and they say that you're saving hip-hop uh but do you think (laughs) 
Do you think hip-hop culture is in danger, especially if rap music continues producing the commercial content it is producing? I mean, how strong does the rap content of hip-hop culture have to be, or the rap element of hip-hop culture have to be, in order for hip-hop culture not to destroy itself? Or are the other elements just, you know, can the elements just be as strong as they are and and hip-hop culture will be fine? Well, it's... uh it's it's really it's really tricky to me um when you when you look around you know and you you see what's popular you know the 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 young kids they they're only getting a chance to see a lot of the negative stuff you know they get to see the bobby schmurders and the the schmurder dance and all this kind of stuff and it's like all right you got a young little kid and he's talking about how much drugs he sells and how many people he shoots on his block and, you know, although there was always some violence and drugs and stuff in hip-hop, it just gets to the point now where it's like it's just everything is coming out based off of this stuff. And uh, it's hard to combat that. So the younger generations, you know, we have to try to keep keep showing them the other the other side of it. And it's difficult because there's not as many outlets for us anymore. And one one thing that does hurt is... With these, with these, this style of stuff, and this, this, I guess I call it the commercial stuff that's so popular. You know, overseas was always the safe haven, and everybody would always run to Europe and run to Japan and run to Australia and these other places because the hip hop scene was better there, and it was, and it still is, but it's it's also changing there because as the younger generations come in, it's also uh, since the the culture was so popular, the hip hop thing got so big that it's reached the mass media in these places as well. And, you know, when we first were traveling overseas, it was it was interesting. You know, it was really, really about, like, you know, like the real good stuff from here. And all the commercial stuff wasn't over there. Now when I go back over there, like, it's there. And, like, the guys that here that are big here, they're big over there. And... The, the radio stations are playing, you know, like Tim West was yelling Dirty South and playing strip of music where he was used to be playing Farrell Monch and Rascas. And uh, a lot of those artists are copying the stuff they see here and making that kind of stuff. So it's, it's definitely hurting. And it's not as big. It's not going to be as strong. I do see it. I do see it. Uh taking a hit it's been taking a hit and it's it's getting it is getting smaller for everywhere across the board you know i'm not going to mention names but even but a lot of the artists that we love that that tour overseas they they might not want to say it for fear of hoping it'll affect their money or their image but the shows are smaller they're getting smaller the money is getting less even for the big name indie guys that we love it's it's not as big as it was it's definitely taking a hit and, you know, you look at the, the, the newer generation, these guys we don't like so much, and it's growing over there. It's definitely growing. So it's hard, but at the same time, it's never going to totally go away. It's just like, uh, you know, it's sad, but I look at it just like, you know, like, like doo-wop music or stuff from, you know, from generations past. Like, it didn't go away. It's still around. You know, uh, look at the, uh, like, in, in the 80s, they had freestyle music, Judy Torres and Cynthia and Coro. Like, that's not hugely popular, but it's around, and they do okay, and there's people that do it. So I feel like a lot of the stuff we do, it's kind of like, it's kind of heading towards that where it's just like, it'll really be in, like an underground scene. It's just not going to be that popular. Uh, you know, like, yeah, Taylor Swift has, has B-Boys in her new New York video, but 
probably not the right ones. I mean, I don't know who she got. Maybe she did, but probably not the right ones. And it's, you know, some of the little kids will see it, but they won't go back and learn the history and learn where it came from. They're not going to, you know, they don't care about Freeze and they don't care about, they're not going to look, maybe they don't, well, maybe they'll see Crazy Legs because he's a little bit more out there, but they really, really go back and know who Ken Swift is and some of these other guys. And so it's, it's very, very difficult. It's about, it's about promotion, trying to push, push it out there to these, to these younger kids because everything is really about the kids. You know, we're, we're just going to keep getting older and not be in the scene and then die, and it's going to be left to the younger kids to keep pushing stuff on. So that's why it's important where, like, a guy like Crazy Legs, he's very smart. He has tons of young kids in Rocksteady Crew that he put down. Like, good quality kids as, as people. Make sure they get good grades in school, too. But, but teaching them the history and teaching them teaching them what what they should do to carry this on. And it's great because there's a bunch of them, and they're really young. Some of them are really, really young kids. And they're going to be around. They're going to keep that legacy going. And I hope that a lot of other organizations in hip-hop do the same. You know, like I know Zulu, Zulu Nation tries to bring in a lot of younger kids, and that, like, that's what you really need. You really got to get to the youth because most of the youth is going towards the Bobby Schmurder dance. And you have to bring these people and teach them so when we're not around and we can't keep doing this, you know, look at look at look at DJ Premier, look at DJ Eclipse. These guys, their two shows on Sirius and like Eclipse's halftime radio show, they they're one of the few shows that are very popular for the underground stuff and that movement. They're not going to do that forever. You know, they're getting older, they have kids, like it's I mean, yeah, they're still doing what they do, but there's going to be a point where they're not. And if there's nobody in training and no one that wants to do that behind them, that's a major, major loss. So we, we have to kind of figure out a way to, to bring some of these other people in and school them, not always shun the young kids. You know, a lot of the old school guys or older guys are always kind of like, ah, these young kids, but there are kids that are interested, and you got to kind of like mentor those kids and keep them around. But it's definitely very difficult. I mean, I don't see it, I don't see it growing, you know, I, that... I guess that's a way I could put it. Like, I, I, like if, even if it stayed where we're at, you know, there's, there's, you know, like freestyle sessions, big b-boy competitions and stuff. But if you look at the DJ battle aspect, DMC, I love the DMC, but they're having a harder time getting people in there. But now Red Bull is doing their big battle, very corporate, and they're bringing and like they got the press. McDonald's has a DJ battle. So you see what happens is you know. The, the evil people kind of figure out a way to get in and infiltrate, promote their products and their stuff, and the people that were really doing it, it hurts. So I don't, I don't really see our side growing. Hopefully, we could at least stay where we're at. But it's, it's sad because it is shrinking. So I don't know. It's hard to say where the future is. It's sad, but I know as long as that I'm doing it, and as long as I'm around before I decide to just totally quit and run away from everybody, like I'm gonna keep doing everything I can to to promote what we do and the tradition of it. Well, it seems also that the, uh, the, the artists that kids are copying today are their, their career longevity is nil. I mean, there's no way they're going to be, there's no way you're going to be like a 50 year old guy talking about sneakers and stuff. Cause no one's going to believe, you know, obviously no one's going to believe you yeah. <laughs> cause you also might have arthritis. So that's going to like be a massive pain. Um, just one. I want to go into the artwork of "It Is What It Isn't." Um, I was curious: is it based on your YouTube video titled uh, "Graffiti New York City Freedom Tunnel"? Um, because it seems like you have two figures. I'm assuming you 
um, one is a DJ, one one is a graffiti artist. Uh, is the positioning of the figures where the DJ's in the forefront and the um, graph artist in the back is that on purpose? Um, and what is what is each importance? What what is important to each of them? Well, for those that that don't know, which is probably everybody, um, I've I've been doing I've been doing graffiti. I actually started doing that before I was DJing. Uh, I started that. I don't know, fifth, sixth grade, uh, whenever that was, in the mid-80s at some point. And, <laughs> and that, was, uh, that was one of my first, my first hip-hop passions was, was, was doing graffiti. And I was always doing that um, in the background as while I got my turntables and was practicing. And that's actually where the JS1 comes from. It's a, it's a graffiti name. I, I wrote Germs, J-E-R-M-S. And when I would actually go out and bomb on highways and stuff like that, I just shortened it to JS. And the one just means, you know, I was the first one to write germs. So that's where the JS1 comes from. And, uh, you know, my whole life, graffiti's always been a, 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 a passion and something that I've done. I never really tried to do it to make money. So when I was touring and, and doing a lot of the DJing stuff, that had to come first because that's where I was make, getting my money from. But in the background, there was always this graffiti writer in me. And I would always do it, and it wasn't something I always promoted just because, you know, they, it was, well, first of all, it was illegal, and it was, uh, it was something, you know, there was problems with different crews and different neighborhoods and stuff, and I never wanted my DJing stuff to really be associated with that. And recently, I uh, decided to take a little break from touring because it was just too much for me, and I just went full force now that I've been back in New York for a while with, with my graffiti again. So over the past few years, I've been doing just hundreds of pieces everywhere and from the Hall of Fame up here in Harlem to uh, different track spots that aren't necessarily legal, but that's what we do. <laughs> and and uh, it's it's just something that I, that I always loved. And now it's it's also taking on a new battle for me is in there's this new term street art and everybody's talking about street art you see it on Instagram and all these uh, street art projects and I love art I love all kinds of art but street art kind of has a uh, connotation to it that it's like something from the street and we always felt that graph writers like we were doing street art and the stuff that these people are doing it's a lot of like stenciling images and that's kind of more like art in the street and we kind of do street art. And what happens now is that these people are they're, they're taking images from the computer and stenciling it on walls. And graffiti writer and traditional New York graph, it's, it's about lettering styles and letters. And they kind of shun the lettering. A lot of these places, they want the person to come and stencil Marilyn Monroe or a, a pretty owl. And, like, it's cool. It looks nice. You know, I'm not against it. But at the same time, it's a problem when they don't allow the traditional New York street artists to come and showcase the, the, the lettering styles. I don't know why, if they think it's gang related or they can't read it or they don't understand it, but that's an important thing. And we can't let that die out the same way as we were talking about hip hop DJs. And there's not as many DJs that are willing to scratch. And you know, it's more about the new, what the newer kids are doing. We don't want the newer kids to see that and only do that. And the letter styles to die out because that's what it was all about. You know, from from the seventies on, it was you're a graffiti writer. You wrote your name, you, and these people are just taking someone else's images and stenciling it, 
and it's not what it's about. You know, a lot of these people moved to New York from outside of New York because it's the cool place to be. And what made it so cool was some of the graft that we were doing for years. That's part of the cool vibe of New York. And now they're trying to do away with it. So it, it, it kind of hurts. So we're, we're trying to fight that battle. So I've been, I've been promoting myself and my, my artwork now and my graph more. I'm more open to like, you know, yeah, this is me. This is what I do. And we just constantly keep doing it. And on the cover this time, I wanted to explain to people like, you know, yeah, this, I've been doing this for a while. And like, you know, not to sound corny, like I'm the hip hop guy, but it's like, yeah, listen, I've tried to master two, two of these elements and, and really go forward it. And, and yeah, the graffiti writer was always in the background. And that's a picture of me actually doing something illegal, which, but that's, you know, the essence of a graffiti writer. And I'm also trying to, I'm, I'm also doing a piece on that too. I'm not just like doing a throw up or a tag. I'm like actually in an illegal spot, but doing like something nice. And that's important to me. And then in the forefront is, you know, the DJ, how everybody knows me. And that's always, and if you can see, even the, the tracks are like coming from my head. <laughs> like, the way, you know, it's like, it's always on my mind, you know, the tracks, whether it's music tracks or train tracks. You know, it's 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 always flowing through me, and I just thought that was a perfect way to like really sum up who I am. I mean, that's really that's really who I am. You know, and uh, I just I just finally wanted everybody to see that. I never. It's funny. A lot of these hip hop artists that I work with, they never even knew. And now when I you know show them all this stuff, they're like, "That was you. That's you. Like you do this. Like it's really cool." And it's just great to 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 be able to to showcase that. And I you know I love artwork and. Now we're also uh, getting paid for it. You know, we've been doing a lot of a lot of commissioned work, which is great. Uh, we were just recently on uh, Profit on CNBC, and they showcased our graffiti on there. And uh, you know, I've been doing you know painting stuff in gyms and auto body places and this. And the, the sad part about it is they actually pay me ten times more to do that than to DJ in New York City. Outside of New York City, the money's okay DJing, but in actual New York City, they pay me probably more than 10 times what I would get to DJ here to paint to paint the wall yeah well I don't DJ in strip clubs and that's where a lot of these guys are DJing and you know otherwise it's like lounges and it's cool because my friends get to come and they hear good music but they're trying to pay me like 3% of the bar tab and my friends they smoke weed they don't drink so it's not, the bar tab's not going to be so great <laughs> it is what it isn't <laughs> uh, it seems like it seems like you, you talk to artists, and there's like there's always this the, they're multi talented. I mean, obviously you're a turntable as a DJ, but you're also a graph writer. I mean, you talk to Charlie Tuna; he's an incredible. I did not know that, but he's an incredible artist as well as a great uh, lyricist. Um, but for you, how does being a graffiti artist kind of and also DJ? How do those two elements for you influence each other? Um, and then do you like pull from one element to aid in creativity and the other element or do you not is, like how does your I guess how does your mind work when it comes to the creative process well uh, first of all Charlie Tuna is an excellent artist and I wasn't aware of that until one point we were on tour together and I was drawing in a book and he looked over and was like oh, you write graph, you do that? And I was like, yeah, I showed him a few pictures and he was like, look at this. And then he showed me and I was like, what? I'm like, how are we together on these tours and we're not doing stuff? So like, that's that's one of our little side goals is eventually to get together and kind of paint a wall together. So uh, shout out to Charlie. But um, as far as uh, as far as far the two going together, I, you know, there's, there's nothing directly, there's nothing directly that I put together, but there's just an overall thing from, see for myself, 
you know, I'm a, I'm a competitive person. It's like, you know, if, if I play my son in tic-tac-toe, like, I'm not letting him win. Like, I'm, I'm like, look, we're going at it. You know, this is how it works. <laughs> right, right. Like, we set up the Nintendo Wii, and, like, I'm winning. Like, I put on the bowling game, and I'm going to win this one. So, <laughs> so it, it being competitive, I've always had this thing about my, my crafts and the, and the talents is that I want to get better. You know, I never understood the guys that say a guy's been DJing since 1983, and it's like, okay, DJing 32 years, and you didn't get better since, like, that first year that you've been DJing. Like, how is that possible? And you've been DJing for 30 years? Like, if you gave me 30 years, I could become an Olympic diver and an astronaut. You know, like, this, this, how could you just not learn how to mix two records together? So, so like, it's, it's very frustrating to me when I see that because, you know, it's a, it's a process and you love to learn. Like, I'm always, as far as, like, the graph, like, I'm learning different techniques and different things and different letter styles and, like, oh, I'm going to do my 3D this way or you see something else someone, somebody did and you're like, oh, man, I got to beat that. Like, I got to try to figure this out or he did this design and it was so amazing and always... Like just looking through the old graffiti magazines and books and learning and wanting to know more, and it's the same thing with the DJing. Like I would always look to other, you know, other DJs and see, like, oh, he did this scratch. Like, how did he do it? Like, oh, I gotta learn that, or I gotta get this neat, this routine neater. I gotta be able to just jump on stage and just be able to go right into my stuff. I don't want to have to warm up. I want this. I want that. And and I, I, I'm just still very much like that. It's a, it's more of like a. a it's like I love it so much and I want to get better. And not, not to get better to beat anybody else. It's like I challenge myself. I'm always my worst critic, you know. Uh, I, I, I do something on a wall and I'm like, ah, I messed up there. I could have did that better. Same thing with my albums or or like DJing-wise. I'll, I'll watch myself like video footage from a show and be like, ah, man, like I could have nailed that so much better. I could have did this better. So it's just like the, 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 the wanting to, to progress and be perfect at it you know I, I i'm mastering the two those two different elements and that's that's more of a that's more of what it is it's like a drive to to just want to get better at it because i really genuinely love it like i study it you know i study i study graph and i study i study djing and i i'm very much in tune to what's going on and and why people are doing what they're doing and how to get better at it and then um i just say as, as far as the two things together like I said, it's not it's not like, you know, my letter styles influence my scratching thing. But there is a, there is one thing that I think definitely for myself that where the two meet up is I'm very much on freestyle. When I go to a wall, I don't have a sketch. When I when I when I'm on stage and I do my like as you call them routines, they're not a preset routine. You know, um, you know, if you watch the like the DMC competitions and they do like the six minute DJ routine, you know, obviously they need a routine. They can't just go up there and do whatever because it's six minutes. And but they have a routine. Like they know, like okay, I'm going to put this record on. I'm going to go into this and go into that. I more kind of have records I know I love to scratch, but don't have an exact set thing to do with those records. You know, I rather just throw on the beat and just cut and go nuts. Even myself with Rozelle, like. We have things that we definitely do during the show, but sometimes it's just kind of like, ah, I'll just go with this, so just do that. And I, I just feel more comfortable doing that because I'm good at what I do and I'm comfortable with it. And if I feel that there's a routine, I feel like I'll mess it up. I feel if I have a sketch, I can mess it up because I'm not following the sketch. If there's no sketch, it's just what's in me just comes out on the wall and I just kind of work it on the wall. I'm comfortable freestyling it. So that's how that's where the two there's something that the two definitely I'm more of like an off the head kind of guy. How Supernet kind of 
his his writing skill isn't as good as his off the head stuff. That's he he excels at at off the head. So I look at my graffiti and my DJing more as I'm not good with a sketch or a preset plan. I'm more of like the off the head guy with those two things. Uh, so before we wrap up, uh, one, what's next for you, and uh, the best way for us to continue to follow your work and of course pick up it is what it isn't and everything else you've done. I'm going to leave here and just lay down on the street. <laughs> just, like, this is it, folks. <laughs> like, it's all over. <laughs> right. right. Then we'll have that viral video. I just send all the money to my son. <laughs> all that Pandora money. <laughs> right. My son's going to get a check for 140 bucks for 10 billion spins. <laughs> Where are the money? Uh, well, you know, I'm not... A lot of people keep asking. It's funny too, just to show you uh, attention span wise. I've seen in a lot of uh, on a lot of websites, people the common thing is they're like, "So you just dropped this album?" They're like, "What are you going to come with number five? And I'm like, "I just put a twenty track album out with forty five guys on it like two weeks ago. What do you, what do you mean number five? Like, whoa! So, uh, I mean, I, honestly, I'm not sure if I'm going to do another album like this. I will release other music for sure. Um, I might start releasing singles and then just over the course of time, if I have enough to make it an album, I'll add a few songs and make it an album. Um, I'm, I'm going to probably do some, probably release a single that's graffiti related. Uh, I have a few things in mind. I don't want to give everything away, but there'll probably be, I'll probably do some more stuff linking my music and the, and the graffiti together. And then I'm also working on a, a, a DJ set that's graffiti related I'll just I'm not going to give everything away but it'll be a way that I can in a really cool way that nobody's really done before to combine my graffiti and my DJing and hopefully uh, when I'm ready to go back out on the road I'll bring that out with Rozell and um, you know right now it's just I'm gonna, uh, my plan right now is just to keep painting painting these walls and doing as many pieces as I can uh, I guess I mean, maybe one day I'll put them all in a book so everybody can see everything but it's definitely I'm in, I'm in graffiti mode. I'm trying to paint constantly. I've been painting constantly, and that's that's definitely something that's where uh, that's where the heart is at right now. Like that's what I really feel. Like when I wake up in the morning, I'm I'm running to do that. Uh, of course, you know, music is something I'll always do, but I'm I'm slowing down on the music product. You know, I'll always be DJing and always working on stuff. But right now, it's just slowing down on how much music product I try to put out there and then figuring out ways to link my graph with, with the music. And as far as anybody that, that likes my stuff, all seven of you, you could, uh, <laughs> you're, allowed, <laughs> you're allowed to follow me. It's cool. I'll, I'll accept your request. <laughs> now, you could, uh, the, the best thing to do, honestly, is to Google DJJS1 because then you, you could see the variety of stuff that I have and all the different albums. But, uh, I have six different albums available, and you can get those all on iTunes, just under DJ JS One, the number one, not only, and uh, well, you can do that too, but I prefer the one, <laughs> and uh, at at DJ JS One on Instagram, and you can see all of the graph pictures and all of the artwork that I do, some of the canvases and these walls that that we do. I post all the stuff on there. Instagram's visual, so I like to. I don't like to annoy people with music and food and sneakers on Instagram. Like I rather, I rather give them some artwork to look at. And uh, you know, I just, uh, I just like to say thank you for for listening to me. You know, babble about hip hop and graffiti. 
And uh, anybody that listens to this, you know, obviously you were on the same page. And just, you know, thank you guys for supporting the stuff that we do. And we're going to keep doing it. And hopefully you keep fighting and keep that vibe alive. And somebody's got to do it. We can't all do this murder dance. And uh, let's just let's just keep it going. It's it's pretty good right now, and uh, hopefully I'll see a bunch of people at some upcoming events, Rocksteady anniversaries, and uh, park jams, and all that kind of stuff. And I'll have a can of paint in my knapsack. <laughs> uh, the one and only DJ uh, JS One new album. It is what it isn't. Uh, thanks so much for taking your time to talk in the library with Tim Michael on RapStation.com. Thank you. I was running in the rave with death jam waves. 80s babies, cold crush parents back in the days. For car breaks from Curtis, takes from Harlem World. Dapper Dad, MCM Soups, and Jerry Curls. The Wild Freakin', the Beacon, Ruby D, the Puerto Rican. Special K and Teddy Ted. Crazy legs and rock steady heads. Like devious doles, up rock cover. Instead of the song, I needed a beast with ugly boosted rugby's from Benetton. Mr. Magic, Super Blast. Chuck Till out and Red Alert, Pete Rockin' Control. Marley Mall putting the word, Uncle Ralph, Big Kid, Hot Tracks, Rick Carlos, Ray Beepers, Suede Adidas, Bally's, Wallows, Leather Caps and Lumberjacks, Gucci Louis bags around the neck, pouches, reaches for T-Bucks, reaching for T-Bucks, trays and houses, Club 88 Sensations, the Jersey version of Latin Quarters for entertainment, back in the days-ish, I wish it was that, back in the days-ish, come on y'all, yo let's take this shit back, What I rap partially is face it. Y'all need to hang it up like wet laundry. I turn into a giant like Calypso. Shout out my brother DJ Eclipse, though. He was instrumental in getting me this instrumental. Smoking on an ounce, wondering where my rent go. Rappers saw this shit, but never say what they meant, though. This beat got me on my simple type pimp flow. Welcome to the shit show. Rip flows, get dough, get low. This ain't Skrillex, this ain't Diplo. This that crime rap in the visions like a blind cat. Trauma, wherever I'm at, Jersey, dirty, dirty, Jersey, what up? It's your neighbor with great goose, spilling out the cup, and we getting bugged, that's no question. Shout out to my boy DJ J S1. Come on, y'all. Yo, let's take this shit back. Rap the mic and represent. I never sell out. We are internationally known. And I'ma let you know. Nationally known, you know, party rock is your shocker of rap techniques, 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 techniques.